previously on Tales of Emsel. Okay, so what happened? Last time we met the agents of Emsel and their handler, Agent Mason. They were Agent Michaels, Agent Morgan, and Agent Madeline. They were sent to New Jersey to investigate the death of a fellow Delta Green agent. And this led into a whole thing with a haunted house, and it was... Well, it was a lot of fun. You should listen to the last season. At the very end of the uh, operation, someone came banging on the door of their motel room. And a guy with a Russian accent rushed into the room. And, um, yeah. So let's go back to that motel room right now to see what happens next. It's later. <laughs> yes, that was great. Perfect. Agent Rango finishes creating a circle with salt on the ground. He's standing in the middle of it and he beckons for you all to join him in the circle. He has scraps of paper in his hand. What? I'm sorry, who are you? What? what in the ever-loving fuck? No time for questions. Do as I say. Get in within the circle or your life will be ending very soon. The air begins to smell of ozone. Yep, no, I'm with him. Get in the circle. The hair on the backs of your necks begins to stand up. I jump into the circle. Yeah. But I'm giving him the stank eye. Bojirs, get in the circle. Renko is mumbling something under his breath, and as you join him in the circle, he begins chanting louder as he passes scraps of paper to each of you I'll give you I'll give you all a minute to internalize it Loxa rocha cheat ambel ambel leente ambel man so what hip top tetual yik ambel sick as you get near to the end of your first recitation of the words you begin to hear something else in the room but it's not even just in the room, it's in your minds, it's everywhere. It's like this sound is emanating from every point around you. The sound of howling dogs. And as you begin your second recitation, raising your voices to hear yourselves over the howling of the dogs, reality itself just rips open right in front of you and leaping from this gash in the air in front of your eyes is what can only be described as the animated corpse of some enormous hound that's had all of its hair stripped from its flesh. Its jaws are massively oversized, barely contained inside its mouth. And from its back are these crumpled leathery wings that somehow manage to flap as it lands right in front of this salt circle. Renko keeps on chanting, encouraging you to just keep it up. 
the hound begins pacing, coming as close as it can. At times, leaping towards the circle and hitting some invisible barrier inches from your faces. Give me a sanity roll. You have to roll under your current, right? Fuck this. Yep. Yeah, mine's a massive failure. Oh, baby. It's a d6 sound loss. <gasps> oh, that's like, I, I failed by three. Oof. Goff. Did you say d6 sound loss? Yeah. And lose one willpower point. Oh. Nice knowing you guys, by the way. I'm looking forward to a nice solo game with Fabio. <laughs> you guys can go to the pub or something. I'm just going to get these guys out of the way. <laughs> I got, I'm 58 sanity. I'm sane as fuck. I'm at 42 now. I'm getting close to breaking again. The hound con- continues pacing. It continues throwing itself at the barrier. And you continue chanting. 10 minutes. 20. 30. Give me a con roll. Constitution. Massive fail. Ooh. Oh, I, I only passed. have I only have three hit points, by the way. Ooh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> As the exhaustion starts to take its toll on you. I mean, you haven't even had a chance to take a break since the last nightmare that you went through. Uh, lose another willpower point. Selena is now on five willpower points. 40 minutes. 50. An hour of chanting. You're all barely able to speak. Even Renko by this stage is starting to falter. But the hound, its pacing is slowing. It hasn't attacked the barrier in some time. It almost looks like it's cowering. And as you begin to chant one last time, the hound stops moving. It begins to fade. It looks deep into the soul of each of you one last time before vanishing from existence. Renko drops the book that he was reading from. He stumbles over to the bed, picks up his paper bag, takes out a bottle of vodka, opens it, takes a long, hard swig, and he says, uh, I guess it's cards on the table time. I mean, you first. Renko explains that he is from the Delta Green equivalent in, well, originally the Soviet Union, now Russia. He doesn't go into too many details about why he's in America. I don't know if you press him on that, but he does tell you that he's fully aware of what you've just been through. He wishes he could have helped, but he learned the true facts of it too late. I thank you for helping me here. I don't know that I could have withstood that alone. One more time. I snatched the vodka out of his hand. Do you want to tell us anything about why it was us or why this is not the first time? Swig, swig, swig. Yeah, he takes a bottle pack for you, takes a swig and passes it on to the next person. Well, who else for a hundred miles could understand even a fraction of what was happening to me? Who else would not think that I was completely insane as soon as I burst into the room? So how did you end up a hundred miles from anybody else who might know? What are you doing here? I was tasked with recovering a, an artifact which was stored in um, your uh, green box. 
you call it, right? <laughs> we do laugh at that. Uh, yes, I had to recover an artifact from that. Sorry I uh, stepped on your toes or uh, got in the way of your investigation, but I didn't, I didn't mean to cause you any inconvenience. Speaking of, what did you take? Do we know what we took? I can't remember. No, it was no. something no, that came out didn't. of the mattress, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, we yeah. don't know what it was. I used to know what it was, but I've forgotten. <laughs> um, was there a decomposing child's body at some point? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, that, but, that was but you guys there, took that, that that's, not that's him. That's fine. We don't need to talk about that. That's fine. <laughs> what? What? Don't worry, you have amnesia. You probably can't remember. No, but was that the bog hound from Ghostbusters that we just saw? Was that the... Is he right? Was that the bog hound? <laughs> Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> there is only Zul. <laughs> From now on, if anyone asks you if you're a god, say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, what's the explain he stole? Uh, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't understand. It was a paint, to you it would appear to have been a painting. But to but... people who asked me to recover it, we'll see something else in it. Me personally, it was a very poor quality painting. Who was that? Who wanted it? Right. If I revealed that, they would kill me. All right, but like, you know, who? But uh, can I? Can are we I? Supposed to care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you just came into our room. A dimensional dog just came here, gave me more nightmares than what I just went through, and now you expect me to just be like, "All right, have a good day. Nice knowing you, pal." What is this? No, of course not. Of course not. There's give and take here. You helped me. I will help you in the future. Can I be surreptitiously? Oh, you're staying here in in in, in Sorry. Sorry. I will. I will be contactable. Can I be surreptitiously texting the handler at this point, saying in all caps, uh, Russian equivalent Delta Green, question mark, question mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. We got reds under the bed. KGB. Okay, you send that. Give me a stealth. <laughs> My stealth is 10%. Uh, I rolled a six for Renko, so. Who is in perception? Yeah. His awareness. That's a 56. I have 10. He sees you do it and uh, I think our conversation is over. I'll be in touch. I will be keeping an eye on you. Wait, wait how do we get in touch with you? What happened to cards will, on the table? I was sure that in time. Well, wait, what? your friend didn't seem to want to put her cards on the table. She instead is... Uh, Sending messages. This is a terrible card player. It's, it's time for me to leave. You can keep the vodka. Can we keep the book you're holding? This... It's in Russian. You couldn't read it. What's, uh... Your agent's... You mint. Yeah, non-existent. Why? Mine's 60. You notice Renko's gaze lingers longer than it needs to on Charles' character? On, on Eric Agent Paras. Paras. Eric Paras. Agent Michaels. Because he's probably in a t-shirt at this stage. Well, you know, you look as good as I <laughs> do. With his fireman arms. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Renko spots you spotting him, and he packs up his things, and he he passes Boshir's a card, and there's a, a, there's a phone number scribbled on it. Uh, otherwise, it's blank and just dog-eared. Mm. And uh, he kind of awkwardly stumbles towards the door and says, Thank you. Thank you again. I, I, I promise you I will repay you. And he opens the door and he steps out into the night.
So I think it's time for another operation for MCEL. Welcome to Tales of Podcast. Hey! I will be your handler tonight, Fabio. If what just happened made no fucking sense to you whatsoever, listen to our last season. Yes, yes. Um, tonight, we are going to be playing Delta Green again. And we are playing a module called Visid. And it's a real good one. And joining me tonight to play Delta Green, Jan. That's me. Who are you playing again? I am playing Selena Goodwill, FBI profiler, amateur animal behaviorist, expert human behaviorist, cat lady extraordinaire. Thank you very much. We're very happy to have her back. Find yes. out what happens with those cats. And Wasn't it Agent Madeline? Yes, but her name is Selena Goodwill, oh, a.k.a. Okay. Agent Madeline. And she's back in all of her non-hypo... Genic glory. Because she had some, she had a run in with uh, hypergeometry. Oh, I was talking more about being covered constantly in cat fur, but yes. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> is, is that hypo, hypoallergenic? That's what yes. I was going. Her non hypoallergenic glory. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll give you a chance to reintroduce Selena in a little while and describe mm-hmm. how she looks and what's been happening to her for the last few months. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Mike. That's me. You were playing agent. I'm my. I'm playing Lucas Boshiers, FBI special agent. Uh, I I catch murderers. <laughs> What's his <laughs> name? So, uh, code word, code name. Agent Morgan. Agent Morgan. Let's remember it this time. And Charles, <laughs> you were in that scene too. The object of Agent Renko's desires. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, he knows. Is he, he going to hit me up in the next month? Is is he my? Am I going to start dating Renko? I I don't know, man. This is a role playing game. We'll Uh-oh. find out. <laughs> That's not how I read that at all. I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah, uh, I, I I read it as uh, definitely checking out a piece of ass on his way out. Oh, <laughs> I mean, silly does not. I, th- I thought he was I'm looking sure. at him because. It came after the Russian thing. It's like, you, you wouldn't be able to read it. I thought it was lingering because he was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a fair assessment. He's, he, yeah, he's clearly a himbo. <laughs> yes, clearly a himbo. Uh, I, I think that's how I originally described him way back in the day. The, the kind of person that would likely would have like uh, nunchaku, except I'm, I'm into... Uh, You're into mall ninja shit? Yes, mall ninja shit, except I'm into Native Indian stuff, so... <laughs> Native so. American. Native American. <laughs> what did I say? You said Native Indian. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> uh, tonight, playing a himbo. Himbo in real life, Charles. <laughs> uh, Eric Peraz, who is a fireman for the National... Park services. So he's got something going on, in all fairness. Um, his MCL code name? Agent Michaels. Michaels. To, yeah, he used to be Agent Michael. Uh, and then and then everybody started calling him Agent Michaels. And then we were like, well, what's we'll the with that? Fuck it. PO pressure. Yes. And MCL are not alone tonight. <gasps> what's this? We got Patsy. Hey, everyone. Yay. Patsy, why don't you tell us about your character? I thought I got uh, that checked out last week. <laughs> uh, tonight I'll be playing uh, Jonathan Lee Briars, recently retired uh, USA Criminal Investigation Division captain and current Delta Green old hand. Excellent. Okay. The next time you hear from Delta Green, 
It has been six months since the events we just witnessed. Your agents can do some downtime activities. What do you think they've been up to in those six months? Mike, Mm. you wake up one morning, uh, early October, October 3rd, I think, actually. And um, there's a there's a card lying in the hallway. Where, uh, where does where does Boshears live? Um, outside the city, I think. Right. So he's got like a mailbox. Yeah. Yeah. Like out outside the suburbs, somewhere yeah. nice and quiet. He um, makes his usual walk, probably holding a coffee at the time. Got his bathrobe on. Mm-hmm. Walks down to the mailbox, opens it. There's the usual bills and shit in there, and flyers and promotional mailings. Um, and there's a nondescript envelope with Morgan written on it. And when he opens it, there's a, a slip of paper. It says simply, "You're invited to a night at the opera." What's been happening with Boshears for the last six months? Uh, Boshears got caught up looking through old case files for the last six months following the incident at one trillion word end was it (laughs) what was that I can't remember yeah (laughs) Uh, he yeah well he everyone there experienced some things that they hadn't experienced before opened his eyes to a few new possibilities and he started trying to cast that new perspective over a some of his old case files that went cold or that always had unsatisfactory conclusions that he, he was he was sure they were like a cover up or or not the whole picture right he give me he a let it go. criminology role criminology fail it you frustratingly find nothing on this case do you want to tell us what case it was that you were looking into in particular it was a case in the height of the year 2012. The world was ending and clowns were all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, a, cla- a serial killer that loved to dress up like a clown <laughs> but there was it was but the, not, it never matched up the the, the ne- nothing ever matched up between the the murders they were all different he, he, Boshears was always convinced that there was there's no way this was just one one guy and now thinking back at some of those murders they seemed clownishly uh, <laughs> <laughs> ritualistic <laughs> And he thought, what if this is some kind of clown cult? Well, it appears you're, you you made a clown of yourself because your uh, <laughs> theories were bullshit. And uh, out of frustration, you take 1d6 minus 3 um, Sandy loss. Ooh. Have you upset so someone at the office? Between this and the alliteration killer, I feel like... <laughs> Like someone just, oh, we got a case for both shears there, and they're all <laughs> laughing behind their hands. You're also going to lose a point off one of your bonds as you uh, obsessively work on this case and miss a few appointments to meet with them. Which bond is it? My dear old ma. Oh, poor old ma. 
What's going on with mom? Uh, she she's having a hard time <laughs> o- uh, up in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> that other place I know in New York. <laughs> He's back, baby. Um, she keeps on. She keeps calling me, saying she needs a plumber. But I keep telling her I'm not a plumber. <laughs> Uh, who else has got something that their agent has been up to for the last six months? Jan? Mm. <laughs> uh, so... Selena, a.k.a. Agent Madeline. Um, agent Madeline had a bit of a tough time on the last operation. She did. How's um, she been holding up? Uh, she's been having a kind of tough time after the operation as well because she's always been very kind of practical and um, mm, what's the word I'm looking for she's never really believed in anything kind of supernatural or anything like that she's always uh, thinking of some scientific reason for things and she has no scientific explanation for what happened to her she at first thought you know she just had some kind of dissociative fugue uh, but the fact that there's ritual and everything happened she's not convinced that it could be a group hallucination it's kind of opened her mind to the possibility that um, magic could be a thing and it's it's left her thinking more about um, reports and stories about uh, particularly psychic abilities um, the way that people claim to be able to do certain things with her mind as she is a, a profiler and um, a psychoanalyst and a psychiatrist. It's uh, kind of leading her down a little strange rabbit hole about, well, well, maybe actually not all of those things are bunk at all. Now she's like, oh shit. It's kind of left her kind of questioning her own reality, making her question her all of the things that she's ever learned. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of given her pause, and I think particularly her mentor at Quantico has noticed this, that she's been leaning a little bit more into either strange theories or kind of being ambivalently torn, like away from rational explanation. So she's had a little bit of that. If we see her on October 2nd, um, you would notice that she looks relatively disheveled uh, with dark eyes. This is because she's been up for three nights with a new litter of kittens. Uh, Kevin, ha- Kevin had seven kittens uh, to add to all of the kittens in her house. So that's kind of been taking a lot of her energy. But um, before she left New Jersey, she also had a great compulsion to go and ransack Yara's office. Oh. She's got a bit of a taste for interesting tomes, and she went to see just what else he might have. Let's see what happened there. It's 3 a.m. After Renko left. Can we say that she's dressed like a cat burglar? <laughs> Absolutely. Cat like Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah. uh, Covered in cat hair. You guys polished off that bottle of vodka. Um, agents Michaels and Morgan fell asleep in 
either in their own beds or just in chairs or draped over whatever. <laughs> I don't know if you all got different rooms. But when just you were sh- draped over a table, yeah. <laughs> when you were sure they were definitely asleep, you snuck out, got in your car, and headed to the university where Yaro's office is. Of course, no one knows that he's dead yet. Um, it's just it's it's just later that night. Um, I wouldn't want to let something so important go to waste now. No, you would not. You take great care in entering the the building. Um, You find that the front door is unlocked, left open by Yarrow, presumably, and security obviously haven't checked it. Um, In fact, you didn't didn't see any security as you were coming in here, as careful as you were. Times have certainly changed. (laughs) Yeah. You crept down a long, dark, echoing hallway to Yarrow's office. You found your way straight there. And in that empty office, still had the smell of the man who had worked there for years, you uh, begin ransacking the place. I like the idea that she's like tiptoeing in very carefully, closes the door, and then there's just like an off-camera shot of like things flying in the air. Yeah, all, <laughs> she's completely all tearing com- the paper all composure <laughs> goes. Uh, there's pages flying everywhere. Until you realize that there's a there's a a desk drawer, a large desk drawer that you haven't opened yet. Jackpot. It's locked, of course. Uh, do you go about opening it in a calm, dignified way, or <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot the lock off? <laughs> do it, do it. Mm, do I have any interesting stats for this? If not, long? I doubt it. Um, I can persuade it to open. Um. No, I don't have any interesting stats for this, but I, I think that um, I think she might try first, at least, to maybe pick a lock, and then if that doesn't work, probably just kind of try and force it open. After jiggling the drawer a couple of times, you look at the desk, and under a sheaf of papers, you see a letter opener. Sweet. She grabs it, jams it into the lock, whacks it around a bit. Because that's how picking locks works. It doesn't work. She just starts <laughs> kicking it. Hurts her foot. And then she notices there's a key in the other drawer. <laughs> and inside that drawer, she finds an old letter-bound book. Yeah, she does. What languages does uh, Asia Ma- uh, Madeline speak? She speaks English, Chinese, and Arabic. Ooh, no dice. She probably recognizes this as German, though. Mm. The title on the cover is Unaussprechlichen Kulten. Um, Jan doesn't even know what that means <laughs> exactly, so... And that's why she's not going to be able to make a whole lot of this book straight off. But lucky for you, or unluckily, she's got six months to learn German. <laughs> <laughs> Great, so I guess that's what she's all... I'm just, I'm, I'm just imagining now we flash back to her with like the dark rings around her eyes, bottle-feeding uh, kittens whilst doing flashcards with her other hand yeah, with German. Yeah, start a new bond with a Duolingo owl. <laughs> 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 Driving herself insane trying to understand Daddy Das. You know, uh, Boshia speaks German. Oh. Boshia's mom is German. Dang, I don't think that Goodwill knows that though. <laughs> Probably not. 
if she can learn German in six months enough to read such a book, then she's fucking putting me to shame. Well, she knows Chinese and Arabic. I imagine she's probably pretty good at learning languages. I know Japanese. Yeah? You said Japanese was easy. Er, than German, yes. <laughs> let's, let's roll sanity. Oh, no. Well, my sanity is currently 42, so my chances aren't that high. Yeah, who gets as far as translating the title and then decides to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> That is an 88. Oh, that's a critical fail. Oh, fuck me. Off to a good start. <laughs> so Selena's just done. Like she's just out. Here's the bad news. <laughs> Crit fail means that you take the mas- maximum possible sand loss. Uh. Sand loss for reading this tome, 2d8. Oh. That's 16 sand loss. However, Selena does not speak German. So she's only going to be able to read a fragment of this hmm. in the months that she has. Of course she can come back to it. I'm sure she will feel compelled to come back to it. Mm. So I am going to make it a D4 loss. So you take four points of sand damage. Um, But you gain the ritual Prayer to the Dark Man. Is that magic? Is that a spell? No, I think it's a Saul Williams album. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where does this go? Special Uh, training? Just anywhere in a notebook or something. Just uh, prayer to the dark man, and my immediate sun loss is is four. Oh, it's it's the max. Yeah, almost will put me back at my breaking point. That's thirty-eight, thirty-five. And wasn't the and dark man the guy responsible for the house? Yeah, we are a lot up. No, whole time. It it is in fact the ritual that you. Mm. Undertook. It, it just means that I committed it to memory. You can oh. do, yeah. You can do it the other way around now as well. So you can summon the dark man. <laughs> uh, you also know closing of the breach from Rankos. I think you all know closing of the breach now. We do. If you choose to internalize it, or you can decide that you forget it. In one ear, out the other. Yeah, I mean, when is that situation going to come up again, right? And. This session. <laughs> the unnatural gain would have been 12, but you only understood a portion of it, and I give you a d4, so I'm going to give you... Let's give you four unnatural points. Right, that brings me to nine. Charles, what was happening with... Hang on, did we, did we do Eric yet? No. We didn't. Um, uh, I I figured it out. Every time I take uh, two or more points of sanity loss, uh, I have a, uh, I I forget what happens. So I I forgot what happened with the uh, bog dog. Yeah. That's gone on my Mary. So Eric Peraz, uh, I've rolled for all of these and I failed all of these rolls. (laughs) Just so you know. Uh, Eric Peraz has had a really bizarre summer. Like he he knows... (laughs) He knows one crazy summer. Wild, yeah. crazy summer. No, I mean he he, know, he knows that shit just went down, but you know the best that he can, he can't quite put it. Uh, he can't quite put his finger on it, and so he's he's been trying to like deal with it the best way he does. He uh, does commit himself to one of his personal motivation, which is doing a job that nobody else can. So he he once reaffirms his his job fighting fires in the forest. 
uh, that does nothing for him. He uh, decides he's going to go to uh, uh, festivals and music festivals and dance off and cry off in a yurt. And uh, oh, does he go to Burning Man? Oh, he goes to, to whatever version of hippie Burning Man is that uh, that isn't that's in the forest. <laughs> Whatever that is, takes a whole bunch of ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca? What's I can't say. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca and mushrooms, and uh, and, and just just cries out. He decides he tries to to hit on this girl, and they have like a one night romance, and then she leaves him. Uh, does not establish a bond. I wrote for that. <laughs> <laughs> he decides to just start, spend some time meditating in nature. I wrote for that and fell that as well. So he got one point of uh, sanity back out of his whole crazy sum. Oh, and he does some some uh, white ra- water rafting. Because, yeah, whatever. He, he's a bit of a, a thrill seeker. Uh, and, and no matter what he does, he can't scratch the itch that he has forgotten something that's pretty horrible. And all this time, he ignores his parents, uh, who are still waiting for him to call and just spend time with him. But he's like, no, 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 you know, my parents won't get this. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna figure this thing out on my own. Did he recover any sanity? Just one. Just the one? Just the one for being back in nature. Everything else was roll against her sanity, which is, which is a pathetic 33 right now. <laughs> and I rolled, I think, four times against Sanity. You don't even like once. nature anymore. It's lost its appeal. Uh, it's it's more that I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to role play the amnesia. It's more that the fact that like every time he gets close to remembering what's happening, it's like a shudder and his mind is fighting. And probably he should just go to therapy, but um, that's not what he decided to do. <laughs> Okay, great. Thanks, Charles. So, Agent Michaels and Agent Madeline both get summoned by Delta Green, too. And on the morning of October 3rd, at 7.45, you all arrive at a nondescript diner. It should be breakfast time rush, and this place is empty. There are two old men sitting in a boot. (laughs) One of them... One of them you recognize as Agent Mason, uh, the man who delivered your previous briefing. Uh, The other you don't recognize. Patsy, who who do they see? Okay, he's, uh, despite the fact that he's inside and uh, sitting down, he does not look at ease. He's wearing an enormous black coat and is keeping his hands to himself. He is maybe 60 years old. and the first image most people have is maybe the butler from the Adams family. <laughs> Lurch. This, this man has had a hard life and he has hands the size of frying pans. <laughs> if he was standing up, he would tower over nearly anyone. Uh, and he's got like, you know, he's mostly bald. He's got like these big bifocals, which he keeps squinting angrily at his food through. And yeah, you see like... Is something horrible has happened to one side of his face at some point. Looks like his cheekbones are kind of different shapes. Uh, there's some little chunk out of his nose that looks like a near miss. Um, and yeah, like as you watch, he has a bunch of pills lined up. He's got a, a Xanax and Advil, uh, two metamizol nitrates for angina, and uh, two THC gummies, and he's working his way through them. <laughs> <laughs> Who walks in first? Me. How does... 
agent. Bum shoes. Bum shoes. That's what they call you at the office. <laughs> agent Morgan. How does Agent Morgan look? Agent Morgan has a big. So he's got. He wears his 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 suit. The same. It's the same suit from the last case. He's wearing. Except he went out and rebought the same one and threw that one away. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he has just like a black suit with the with a white shirt underneath and a black tie. Very very typical looking FBI man. Clean shaven. He's not this time. He's got some stubble this time. He looks a little. He looks. He would say he looks awful, right? He has his tie. His shirt is not done. The last button is not done up. It's a little loose. Uh, <laughs> he has some what stubble. Kind of shabby bum is this? The last time he shaved was was like two hours ago. <laughs> he's got some stubble, uh, uh, and he's got a like a. It's, it's October. It's not that cold. In I don't know where are we? New York. New York. Yeah, I don't actually know what the weather's like in New York. Is it cold in October? Isn't it cold it's except for like three not three months north, of the it? year? It wouldn't be miles off what it'd be here in October. Yeah. No, it's it's it's. Yeah, they got hot summers, cold winters. Yeah, hot yeah. summers, cold winters. I guess he's wearing. Uh, is it a duster? Is that what you call it? Like a big, yeah. cool, fancy jacket. Yeah. It's not fancy, just utilitarian. Util. Yeah, but he was wearing it over a suit, so it's. Like, oh, a, so like a trench coat. One. A trench coat, yeah, okay. Sorry, when we say trench coat, I always just think of those big leather ones. That like a like, like a duster is what a cowboy wears. Yeah, yeah okay. A trench coat is what like a goth wears. No, well, like a, a a fucking hard-nosed private investigator. Yeah, but not Neo. No, but okay. Yeah, Neo would wear wore a trench coat. Yeah, but that, he, has, he has like a big nasty leather one. We're, we're probably thinking more like uh, Agent Mulder than Neo, right? <laughs> Yeah, who's that? <laughs> From the X-Files. I don't know that one. You've not watched the X-Files? I've heard of it. <laughs> I know about the ride in Disneyland. Fuck me. There's an X-Files ride in Disneyland? X-Files. No, that's the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> but the elevator. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. He's wearing a big cool coat. All right, okay. Agent Madeline comes in next. How's Madeline look? Uh, I think uh, Madeline has current has recently been more uh, doing lectures at Quantico. She's wearing, um, she's a she's tall Caucasian. Uh, I described her previously, I think, as uh, a kind of uh, Agent Scully type, but even hotter. Except she's covered in a fine layer of cat hair. Um, she's wearing a pantsuit. Well, no, she's wearing pants and a kind of blouse. Uh, but then she has one of those. I cons- I always call them like geography teacher blazers. But I think she's not wearing a corduroy one. But the ones in my head are always corduroy. You know, with the leather patches on yeah. the on the elbow. Uh, she's wearing that. Um, she cut the patches off in her jacket. <laughs> And you're not really sure looking at her what color the jacket actually is because there's a whole mishmash of different colored cat hair uh, across it. And uh, she has dark circles around her eyes and smells slightly of sour milk. She's probably been up feeding. I thought you were going to say sauerkraut. She's really getting into learning that German. (laughs) Also that. Uh, But she's, she's been up late recently bottle feeding the kittens, so... You, you sit silently in the booth staring at Agent 
um, mason and this unknown older gentleman. Uh, eight full minutes while you wait for <laughs> Agent Michaels <laughs> to come in and then try to squeeze his way into a two-person seat uh, <laughs> and finally drag a chair over. Now, now, a quick question. Agent Michaels, did he also get an invitation to the opera? He did, yes. So Agent Michaels doesn't really have a suit except for his dress uniform, <laughs> which means <laughs> he works for the National Park Service, which means he rocks up in a green, like dark green suit, <laughs> complete with a little ranger hat that he's carrying by the hand. He's, he's well built. It's got dirty blonde hair, um, and 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 looks rather uncomfortable being in the city <laughs> in his in his dress uniform, and and sits down at the squeezes of the two man booth, <laughs> and says, uh, uh, "Oh, uh, oh, it's are you. We, are we really going to the opera? Because I I don't think I've." ever seen an opera in real life. Well, clearly, if it's this early in the morning, we're catching a matinee. Agent Mason clears his throat and he says, okay, let's get to it. First of all, this is Agent... Is my code name still the same? If you want it to be. Agent Garrett. No, it's got to be with M now. doesn't have to be. Ah, all right. He's not M, Sal. Oh, fair enough. You'll never be M, Sal. a decided to uh, send Agent Garrett here. After um, if so. your report oh. on your last operation, he just don't be don't be worried about it. He's not here to uh, scare anyone. I mean, I wasn't worried until you said Agent you'll Garrett be worried. looks menacingly at him. I, assume. <laughs> I mean, as he has been looking menacingly into space, but if you look at him, it seems like he's looking menacingly at you. That's maybe just what his face looks like. <laughs> He's still sucking down your little sippy, sippy cup of medicinal cocktail. <laughs> now he's worked his way through those, and now he's writing notes in a little notebook. Agent Mason puts down his coffee and begins the briefing. At 5.45am, two mornings ago, Seattle Times delivery driver Ernesto Torres found the body of a retired geneticist by the name of Tybalt Greaves. The body was lying in the driveway of Greaves' home in Mill Creek in Washington. At 6 a.m., police arrived. Reports say that Greaves had suffered extensive wounds to his mouth, neck, and face, and the crows had gathered to pick at the body. At 6.05 a.m., uh, the officers, officers Grant and Daly entered Greaves' house. They found another body that was later identified as Greaves' living girlfriend, Amanda Griffin. The officers reported that Griffin's mouth is co- was covered in blood, which had congealed to a blue-black pile around her face. Her skin also had a distinct blue tinge to it. At 6.09am, officers cordoned off the house and called for detectives and the medical examiner. Medical examiner arrived at 6.32am. Uh, along with uh, Detective Emily Dunser. Dunser and the medical examiner, Lewis Stubbs, entered the house and began taking photographs of the evidence. At 7.09, it was sunrise. 
Officers outside called Stubbs to look at something strange happening to Greaves' body. Over the next eight minutes, Tybalt Greaves' corpse collapsed in on itself until nothing was left but a blue-black goo, which then started to solidify to the consistency of a hard candy. And they reported that they could smell chlorine and honey from it. Only Greaves' left hand and feet were left intact. Uh, There are time-stamped photographs covering most of the disintegration. And Mason slides a manila envelope over to you, which has these photographs in it. At 7.21, Detective Dunser and the evidence technician uh, photographed what looked like small, bloody footprints and other smudges on the floor of the kitchen near Griffin's body. Uh, The prints were smaller than the toddler's and seemed deformed. Um, But there was at least one clear toe mark indicating that this was a human foot. Uh, 7.25am, Dunser followed the strange tracks to the closet that holds the furnace in the house. Behind that furnace, he found a wall with a hinge. There was a secret door in the back of the closet leading to a biohazard lab in a secret room. It had air scrubbers, air conditioners, um, set up to maintain negative air pressure in there. A lot of money had gone into it. Stubbs ordered everyone out and alerted the CDC and the FBI. Mill Creek Police Chief Bob Crannell ordered that no one be allowed to leave the scene and police set up a cordon around the block. At 8.40am, a CDC team led by Dr. Roberta Kane arrived from Seattle. FBI agents and the first of many reporters soon followed. A biohazard tent was built over the house and everyone who had been exposed to the house and to Greaves' body was removed to Providence Regional Medical Center in Everett, Washington. The CDC began testing them for infectious diseases. All were later cleared. Uh, Greaves' neighbors, Elizabeth McReady and Marty Postwaite, were evacuated from their homes but allowed to return that evening. Uh, Roberta Kane examined Greaves' lab She collected unusual samples from a small silver sample case with biohazard markings and a stamp which reads BOUNCE in capital letters. B-O-U-N-C-E. Inside uh, that were 12 vacuum sealed packages containing a substance that Kane designates unknown biological sample one. One of those packages is open. Kane described the contents as undifferentiated cellular, cellular material with human characteristics. At 11.50 a.m., Kane, who's a Delta Green friendly, alerted a case officer and Operation Malta was set in motion. That is the operation you have been gathered here for to this morning. The CDC ordered the samples collected and flown to Atlanta for study. The next morning, October 2nd, 8.01 a.m., the CDC CDC loaded unknown biological sample 1 onto CDC Flight 191 Secure, a small plane with a crew of two. It departed for Atlanta. 9.46 a.m., Butte, Montana. Air traffic control 
loses contact of Flight 191 after a moment of garbled radio transmission. There's no report of malfunction. The transponder places Flight 191 in Clearwater National Forest, Idaho. 11.22, search and rescue flights spotted smoke and located the wreckage of Flight 191. The CDC instructed rescuers to stay away from the wreckage. That brings us to right now, people. Damn! You are to take the identity of consultants for the CDC. He passes another envelope into the middle of the table. Though, of course, you can use any identities that you think may have may be useful and which you have already established. You are to find out the source of this infection, establish if it is still a threat, neutralize that threat, and make sure it doesn't surface again. Do whatever it takes. Do you got any questions? Because I probably don't have answers. So the plan is to neutralize the threat entirely. And in this envelope, there are some IDs or? Correct, yes. There's some CDC consultant identities. Great. They're, uh, they're not going to get you very far with law enforcement, but I'm sure you can use your own credentials discreetly if you need to. Any right, how questions? are we uh, supposed to get to... Uh, well, either Seattle Montana or, or Idaho. Or Idaho. Do, do you want me to buy you a bus ticket? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a yeah, two-day drive. I was hoping you'd buy me a flight ticket. You're a big boy. I'm sure you'll figure it out. God damn it. Uh, I do have a question. Um, God what, damn it, what? What does Garrett have to do with this? Garrett is... Uh, let's call him insurance. Don't worry, I'll look after you. Oh, I feel better. I don't know about you guys. I definitely feel better. Think of it. Don't th- think of him as a safety net. He will. So, looks like Garrett's got his hand full looking after himself. <laughs> don't you worry about Garrett. Garrett can take care of himself, and he has been for a long time. Selena eyes all the pills that are lined up in front of him. Oh, they're gone. I had eight minutes to wait. <laughs> <laughs> now he's just drinking vitamin water. <laughs> No, I'll let you young pups run on ahead, but if you get into trouble, maybe you'd be glad I was there. You know, vitamin water is just water with uh, sugar. It's it's, yeah. it's a big scam run by uh, Jay-Z and, and whoever else. It's it's. You get to my age, boy, there's very few pleasures in life. Leave me my sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> take, take it from me. Take it from me. You see Agent Garrett running, you should run too. You might learn something from him. Looking right. forward, looking forward to working with all. Yeah, of you. I mean, I didn't know these two before, and and I still don't trust them. So, uh, what's another one? It's all good. No, brief, it's all good. Briefing done. You were all presented one at a time with an enormous hand to shake. Oh, uh-huh. Michael's first. Uh, whose hand is bigger? Good question. Oh, are we having a handoff? Have a roll off. Are we having a handoff? And why does that sound as dirty <laughs> as it does? Yeah, back in Cth- back in Cthulhu, size was just a numerical value. Yes, I got sixteen hit points. Suggest I'm pretty big. I, th- I think doesn't it, it stands for hand points, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's all proportional, you know. Oh no, I've only got fourteen hand points. <laughs> ah, but you probably have a more functional heart valve than he does. Yes. So. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Garrett. Uh, I'm sure uh, sure we'll we'll be able to lean on you when the time comes. But you're the big guy around here. I bet bet they lean on you in a tough spot. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Mason stands up suddenly. Uh, He's looking out the window. He might be looking at a taxi cab that just stopped outside. 
He looks at all of you and he, I, mean, I, I trust you can handle this. Right. Do Contact we, me if you need to, but try not on to. On the flip phones. And he leaves by the toilet door. Right. What you gonna do? Well then, uh, Garrett, yes. is there any additional information that you might have that we no. currently do not? We're all on the same team. Exactly, so I don't if, know you, if you, you don't have know. anything more, please share it. Hey, if I would, I'm an open book. But I got nothing, but we got a job ahead of us. Oh, I've done this before. We're let loose with nothing, uh, no extra information other than a piece of paper. That's the same thing as it happened last time. Uh, Garrett, welcome to the team. I think you'll find that we operate a tight ship around here. <laughs> oh, I can tell. Uh, nice uniform, by the way. Thank you, thank you. We thank like you to your, thank you for your service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, not everyone can do this. Um, uh, as you know, uh, the new team joiner is responsible for buying plane tickets or train tickets. We'll take the Amtrak. Nobody likes the Amtrak, but we'll take the Amtrak. You got any cargo you need to bring? Anything you can't bring through a flight? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I do want to take my axe with me. Oh, yes, axe. I get a, f a thousand yard stare thinking about that axe. Yeah, they don't have those in other states. You might want to bring that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could, uh, I guess. I mean, uh, I always know which store to hit. But yeah, like, I, I have no dependents and I'm a retired army captain. I can afford plane tickets, I assume. So I say, we want to go a place? Just call me your travel agent. Yes. So uh, I think we ought to decide where we want to go. Well, it makes sense to first check out. Well, we can call Kane, right? Uh, yes. We do we, do we know is if Kane is uh, on site there or in in Clearwater or or back in Washington? There's ways to find that out. Enlighten us. Any of you, any of you young fellas good with computers? Nope. What's a computer? Huh? Hey. I like you. <laughs> well, look, there's two, two, two things we should start with. One of them's checking out the f that, that wreckage. Want to no. go down to Idaho? If someone can get a get Detective Kane on the horn and... I'd say, I'd say if knows. you got access to a friendly, that's probably the first uh, port of call before we go camping out in the woods. Oh, I do like camping. I, I got that sorted. I've got the gear. Yeah. Glad All right. To, glad then, to have you aboard, Michael. Michael's goes to Idaho and the rest of us... <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, it does make sense that you would put me in the forest. Uh, I can probably track anything in there. Ah, uh, yes, because sending Michaels alone worked so well for us last time. Well, at least this time you can try and chop our heads off. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure you guys know all this, but my advice is no one goes anywhere alone. We good? Yeah, that's why I tried saying in the house, but nobody listened to me. <laughs> Let's see if you're still saying that a week after hanging out with this guy. <laughs> uh, Madeline runs off to go outside to call Ryan to tell him that he has to hand feed all the kids. Mm, mm, we ought to, I, I think, yeah, we ought to call Kane, figure out if if, uh, if he should be our first port of call. And whether we're we're doing a trip to Idaho, we're doing a trip to Kane is a a, a yeah. lady, right? Yeah, yeah Roberta, Roberta. Roberta Kane. Would CDC personnel be like publicly listed? Would there be like a? Uh, yeah, you'd be able to find uh, Kane's number. What does CDC stand for? Center of Disease Control. <laughs> Where do they stand on the hierarchy of coolest federal agencies? I mean, they're quite useful. 
They don't do a lot of murdering. Uh, I've never... That we know of. Never sold arms to any right-wing death squads. They're pretty good. That Uh, we know of. But to an FBI agent, they're not very cool. No, no, in terms of... We all probably think we're cooler than them. Yeah, like, everybody knows there's nobody cooler than the National Park Service. Okay, so what's the plan? We're calling Kane. Uh, who's calling Kane? Not me. It sounds like you're volunteering. No, I, I, I am not the right person to be on the phone or to talk, talk anybody. I think, uh, Madeline. All right, I can call her. Yeah. Uh, she picks up after a couple of rings. This is Kane. Miss Kane, this is, um, Madeline, Agent Madeline. Um, oh, uh, M- Agent Madeline, yes, I was told to expect a call from you. Yes, our mutual friend has um, forwarded on the details to us. Um, we are ready to proceed, but uh, we'd like to come and meet you in person. I'm not quite sure where you actually are at this current time. I can meet you in Mill Creek in Washington. Washington, okay. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't returned to the office yet. I, I will be heading there um, by this evening. So uh, we can meet you at the CDC office or perhaps um, at the residence? Uh, yeah, you can meet me at the house if you can make it in the next few hours. Otherwise, you can catch me up the Seattle office. I'll be in the lab. Understood. Uh, all right. Let's get a taxi to JFK. I thought you were about to say let's get a taxi to Washington. <laughs> yeah, not paying for that. I'm just going to have to leave my van behind with all my goodies. Yeah, I mean... There's no way that you could justify bringing any kind of weaponry on a plane, but you're a federal agent, you're a federal agent. Wait, what year is this? 2017. Oh yeah, there's no way I can bring a knife Uh, or something. You're retired. Yeah, I'm retired, so I feel like I probably can't have a service weapon, so if I want weapons, I'll need to find a way to pick them up later. You can can break down a gun and fly, but I don't think you can take uh, ammo. Yeah, fair enough. Then if you've got a personal weapon, you can... Pack it if you've got the appropriate uh, license and permi- permits, I suppose That seems can. like something I would have. All right. I, I can't had- imagine you have a license for an axe. Oh, I suppose if it's in a good... Maybe you've got like some nah, kind of fireman matter. bag. I mean, uh, the, the, as, a, the, the, as a professional park ranger, then yeah. surely... Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, no, no, forget it, forget it. I, I do I do change into uh, my usual slacks because... Uh, I mean, once we get there, we can just send you to a DIY store. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I definitely know my way around a DIY store and I definitely have my uh, NPS, um, not savings, uh, like discount card. Like a club card? No, no, it's more like, hey, like, you know, we work, we, we help we help the, the, the forest so everybody recognizes us. So uh, we usually uh, get. see. I was thinking Ropes, like like a, like a little stamp card of like buy t- yeah. buy eight axes and get the next two free. <laughs> uh, I do hang out at the axe club, but with the the axe trucking club, and and uh, I do have seven out of eight stamps. That's funny you should say, <laughs> but that's just for me. Like that's just for an axe throwing session. So, <laughs> so it's a few hours later, and you all arrive in a rental car, I guess. You pull up at the house. You 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 spot it from a distance because um, it's. Uh, got a big fuck off tent around it, a big biohazard tent built up around the house. Um, it's on a, it's at the end of a street with only two other houses on it. Apart from that, there's some uh, woodland around it. Though it is like a suburban area, it's not like miles from anything. There are a couple of police cars outside, and there is a dark sedan waiting for a woman who is walking towards it, about to get in, just as you pull up. Um, 
she pauses for a moment and waits for you to get out of the car. She sees four cars, just, just, just. I assumed it was one. <laughs> no, there's two cars, two cars. I think, two I think, cars. Yeah, two cars. Kane, Kane, yes, we're here, Kane. <laughs> she looks around kind of nervously and walks over to you. Um, you're a uh, Madeline, right? Yes, Agent Madeline. Okay, great. Pleasure. Uh, uh, Roberta Kane, it's uh, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for, thanks for coming to check this out. Um, yeah, as I, I think you probably know, I reported that the uh, samples were sent to um, Atlanta, but the uh, plane went down. Um, we're waiting to, to hear a word of that. But uh, I sent orders that the crash site should not be approached. Um, once we found the substance as well, I, I gave orders that no one should enter the house again. I uh, declared it a, a biohazard area. Um, to enter, you're going to have to wear biohazard suits. Um, she points at like a, just like a, a, an additional tent connected to the big tent that's over the house. And um, yeah, you know from movies that like there's probably a shower in there and there's a room for changing into biohazard gear. Um, she says, uh, I, she looks at her watch. I, I need to get going soon, but um, I can, do you want me to bring you in or are you okay to... Make your way through the house yourselves. I've probably already asked if any of you have any medical training, like on the way here. I do. Nice. First aid. Medicine 60. Okay, I figure you're taking point here for pretending to be from the CDC. I also, my science is a 60 for biology as well. Ooh. Guess who's going in the death house? Lucky. Me, me, and I want in. <laughs> yeah. Selena's just mumbling to herself like, oh, these suits are never flattering. <laughs> I, I, I always kind of enjoy them. You know, we, we get to train in a lot of fun, expensive equipment. And uh, I don't know, it's just it's enjoyable getting a giant piece of plastic and sweating it out for like two hours. Ah, uh, yes, swamp ass. Exactly what I want to experience at work. I mean, I have put my ass in a swamp before and I'll tell you something, that's exactly what it feels like. Look, these jokers aside, Miss Kane, could you give us a house tour? <laughs> Follow me. So you're inside the house now, you're all in biohazard gear, the bulky blue suits. So the house has a sitting room, there's a small office off that, there's a bedroom with a bathroom, and then from the kitchen, there's this secret door through the cupboard into, uh, your biology was what? 60. What looks like to you as a level four containment lab, this would be like, very infectious diseases mm -hmm. would be worked on in, in this sort of lab. Let me tell you what the lab looks like. I realize the severity of this to the boys. I recommend we don't all go in at once. Why? Well, whatever's in there, no point exposing all of us to risk. Oh yes, no, just me, great. Kane steps in and she waits for whoever wants to follow her in. Oh, be uh, Selena, yeah. I assume Selena goes Yeah, I'm going to guard the hidden door. I'll be outside that. Yeah, I'm going oh, in. Oh, I'm going to go in. The lab is eight meters by four meters, and it contains what must be hundreds of thousands of dollars of the most modern biological testing equipment you've seen. A recessed, highly specialized and expensive air conditioning and scrubbing unit processes all air and releases purified air through two mundane looking vents in the uh, roof. The room has negative air pressure. Um, Can you just tell me what that means? 
Negative air pressure. So air is pushed into the room because the pressure inside is lowered so that there's less likelihood of something that's airborne getting out. This unit was plugged into a redundant automatic gas-powered backup electrical source. So it was plugged into two electrical sources. He wasn't taking any chances. And there's what's known as a cabinet laboratory. It's one of these big kind of glass boxes with holes in them and the gloves inside. Inside the cabinet, you can see that there is a like a sample tube open, lying on its side. And Roberta Kane tells you that they found a small cut in one of these gloves. The samples and the notes that we found here were, were sent to Atlanta and hopefully have not been lost in the fire or, or in the crash. Are the notes were on the plane with the, with the samples? Yes, unfortunately. Bollocks. Yes, yeah, so she spends a few minutes showing you around. She asks if there's anything else she can help with. Otherwise, I, I, I really need to get to the lab. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Crikey, um, Mrs. Kane, yeah. It's like uh, this Greaves person really put in the money in here. Um, before you go, do you mind telling us if you know anything about this Greaves? Uh, not a whole lot, no. I believe he was a geneticist, though I don't know where he was employed. And I'm Hopefully guessing... Hopefully an investigation will figure it out. Mm, and I'm guessing all of this is not the cheap stuff. No, it's not. No, no. Someone spent a lot of money here. And uh, does somebody need to have uh, special contacts to to acquire such material? Um, You'd need to know what you were getting, yeah. Mm. Certainly. Um, You're not getting this at the local DIY store. No, no, no. And um, purchases of this kind would definitely be documented and registered mm-hmm. uh it's not something that falls off the back of a truck right for forgive me for asking uh, this is not my my realm of expertise but um who would we approach to find out about purchasing this kind of material just laboratory supply companies yeah i guess uh well she points out a label on one of the oh. pieces of equipment which is a company name right there i guess oh uh, this is why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> uh, and 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 you're heading back now to CDC. Uh, I am going to um, yes, yes. Yeah. She's heading back to the CDC lab. All right. So if if we need to to contact you again, you can contact me there. Yeah. Or um, here's a card, and she gives you a card with her mobile number. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for waiting for us and, and allowing us to see. And and you've done the check. There's nothing here we need to be worried about anymore. No, no, it's good. I, 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 I made it off limits so that the place wouldn't be disturbed any further until you got here. Wonderful. Thank you. I think you should be quite safe in here. Mm. Um, okay, I'm, gotta, I'm really sorry that I have to go, but uh, no. this has to be done. Um, I'm sure everything's in very capable hands. Um, when you, after you've left Kane, um, is it possible that you can contact us if any more information comes up? Oh, yes, of course. There's no one else in the house now. Mm. I would like to take a closer look at the the gloves in the in the cabinet. Sure. So, yeah, you do. You After a little bit of looking, you, you spot the, the cut in the gloves that uh, Kane mentioned. And looking into the glove, uh, inside of the glove, you even see that there's like a, a sheen of blood kind of coating part of the inside of the of the hand of the glove. 
Is it possible that something inside the cabinet lashed out at the hands and caused the cut? Also, one hand was remaining from his body once it decomposed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the feet. Would it be the hand corresponding to the one of this glove or the other one? It was the left hand, yeah. Are we looking at the, the left hand or the right hand here? The hole is in the right glove. And the, the blood is red or blue? Red. I'd like to take a sample of the blood. Yes, you can take a sample of that blood. Anything else? While the rest of these nerds are in the laboratory, I'm going to go take a look around the rest of the house. See if I see if I can get a picture of the guy, okay. like, and what his life was like and what was going on here. I, wa- I want to scream out to Garrett and ask him, uh, did you find the bloody footprint? Getting there. So yeah, I would want to check out the kitchen where the footprints were. So um, in the kitchen and uh, leading from the door to the lab, there are um, yeah these bloody prints. Not necessarily; they don't really look like footprints. They just look like smudges. Um, but plastic cups have been placed over them. Little flags, evidence flags have been uh, attached to them. Uh, so all of this stuff has been documented. Um, but yeah, you're free to examine it um give me a i guess forensics or criminology mm. if rather you've than got search it, or ask someone to help you my forensics is 50. agent madeline is able to um lift a print off this a toe print it might be it might be a fingerprint you're not sure it's very distorted mm. it it's small and it's kind of twisted I just have an image of like a blood-covered baby walking along the kitchen on their hands now. (laughs) Thank you for that image. (laughs) But I mean, you're not a million miles off because it looks for all the world like a, at one point, like a toddler's foot, maybe. It's kind of like has been dragged along the floor. At another point, it's like a couple of fingers, maybe, and a handprint. And then other things are just smudges. But yeah, with your with your forensics and medical knowledge, you can recognize these shapes, and you're able to pull prints. So the they're like legible, like swirls that you'd get on a print. Yeah, though they are distorted mm-hmm. somewhat. The footprints they're going through the kitchen to the fake wall, right? They go out of the lab. Oh, they go the other way, out of the lab through the yeah. kitchen. Through the kitchen, there is the outline of where Amanda Griffin's body was found. They pass that point. They continue to the front door. Much heavier now. There was more blood on them. Did they walk through Amanda's body? Or? It's it's impossible to say. There's just... They, they lead to a point. There's the outline of the body. There's stains from the blood. And then the, the prints continue on out of the house. And the blood's red? Yes. Is this consistent with the way that Greaves left the house? Because he was in the driveway, right? Greaves was found intact in the driveway, mm. and his body later disintegrated. Right. But Griffith's body didn't disintegrate, right? Griffith's body did not, no. I'd quite like to go visit the coroner. Well, we should check out the local police station, see all this documented evidence, speak to the people. Just Detective Dunser, see what he knows. 
What and about then the... one of the FBI agents were in charge of this case. Also, just generally looking around the guy's house, do I get an idea that he was like doing well for himself? Presumably with his secret bat cave, he was. But <laughs> there is. Um... So it's not like a, f it's not a very big house. It's not particularly fancy, but the furniture is nice. It's an expensive TV. There's a lot of books in shelves on the walls. In the bedroom, it looks like a nice bedroom. The bed sheets are nice. Uh, the wardrobe, there's nice clothes in the wardrobe. There's photographs of uh, Greaves, who looked to be in his 70s, and Griffin was 27. Huh. That dog. <laughs> And they said that that's his girlfriend. Yes. All right. And uh, the, the, do the pictures look that way? Is she hot? Yeah, she's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and he looks. She's a young African-American woman with long hair. She looks slim and very well put together. She's got expensive clothes and expensive jewelry. Greaves is, as I said, a man, at least in his 70s, could be older. He looks very old. Uh, he looks pretty happy in the photographs, though. <laughs> yeah, okay. Together with her. Yeah. Mm. He's, co like he's a Caucasian, or is he also African-American? Greaves. He's white, yeah. You can see, a, you now see a car in the photograph. Very, very slick red sports car, which you recognize as being out on the street. Um, ah, he was compensating for something. His age. <laughs> Uh, actually, it's Griffin who's in the driver's seat in the photograph. Ah, chauffeur. Uh, she was compensating for something. <laughs> His age. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it's the house of someone who clearly was able to live a good life, but wasn't really flashy about it. All right, and like, is everything in good order? Like, does it look like they were living just normally and then both of them end up dead? Like, presumably some sort of signs of... Uh, struggle given that there was a corpse found in here there were signs of struggle with griffin the police report says it, it looks like she struggled briefly but that's about it there's nothing broken there's no like furniture knocked over or pictures knocked off the wall or anything like that so it looks like she was the the flashy one her corpse was juicy right <laughs> There, yes. there, there wasn't there, like it wasn't a body. There was it was just goop. Her her uh, no. She they they recovered a full intact corpse of oh, Amanda okay, Griffin. Okay, okay. But you said that there was like a big mound of like blue blood oh, on her yeah. mouth, right? Yeah, she had like congealed blood, which appeared to have turned blue or been mixed with something blue, and her her skin had a blue tinge to it. Mm. There's also an office. Um, the office looks like it was used by Greaves exclusively it's not tidy it's not dirty oh this but it's not tidy though this is great this is it is there a laptop there there aren't like pin boards with ah, ha, ha, they all said i was mad but i'll show them or... unfortunately not no <laughs> okay well uh, but worth a there try. is a there is a desk which presumably had a laptop on it um there's a clear space mm. where uh. and some cables obviously her laptop was taken away as evidence 
I'd like to look for clues of uh, any potential like uh, company alignment that Greaves may have had. Like, uh, are there any um, like things on the wall of like twenty uh, years service at this company or things like that? There, there's not. But when you go through his desk, you do find some invoices. Hmm. You find one invoice from April 2010. Actually, two invoices. One is for a company called Thompson Specialty Construction. And it appears, the itemized invoice appears to um, suggest they converted some kind of, converted a room for some other purposes. A a part of the garage they turned into a room. Mm -hmm. Um, It's clearly the the secret lab. And the second round of construction is indicated on uh, some other invoices. There's one for Monmouth Weather and Fitting. Weather and Fitting. Cost $100,000. That was also construction. And then there was a third firm, Pacific Northwest HVAC, to install a complex air filtration and conditioning unit, which was shipped in from the East Coast. There There are dockets for several other large shipments the laboratory cabinet serial number for a biotech firm in Pennsylvania and it cost $125,000 and you find records of the payments all but one of these projects was paid with cashier's checks or wire deposits from a bank in the Grand Caymans I want to go bother his neighbours Agent Garrett goes out has a name on it one of the receipts has a name on it the name is Aaron Silverman there's a couple and of cops he paid here. For one of keeping, there's, at this point, there's one reporter who looks like he's not arsed anymore. Um, he's talking to the cops. But across the street, you can see that there is an older gentleman standing looking intently at the house. And now at you as you step out of the tent. I walk up to him. Long, easy strides. He, uh, as, you're, as you're walking towards me, he kind of takes you in and the size of you. And he looks a little bit intimidated. He looks around and he... But he still seems eager to talk to you, and he, he steps forward, and he, he kind of half waves at you, and then goes to put out a hand to shake hands, and he... Uh, are, are, you, uh, are you with the police? Mr. Postwaite, I presume? Yes, that's right. I'm Dr. Kemp Wetmore with the CDC. Oh, okay. was uh, wondering if I could ask you a few questions. Oh, absolutely, yes, uh, yeah, no problem. We're trying to build a bit of a picture of the case. What can you tell me about your neighbor, Mr. Greaves? Uh, he was a nice sort. Everyone, well, there's not many of us around, but uh, yeah, he was a nice neighbor. He was quiet. His uh, girlfriend wasn't always quiet, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you know, we like, uh, I like to tell the wife that we had a, we live across the road from a, uh, a late midlife crisis. Um, a bit, bit of an odd couple, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but he was, he was, he was having fun. He was happy. Two of you them seem to get on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I never saw them argue. I saw her come home with in different cars, like dropped off by different guys, but he, he'd meet her out in the drive. He didn't seem to mind. As well, long as she was happy, he seemed to be happy. And to be honest with you, he, he, he's lived here years, and I always liked the guy, and I didn't, I didn't know his wife, but I believe she was a lovely woman. He really missed her, and uh, yeah, you can't be alone your, forever, you know? He, yeah. It takes all sorts. We're not here to judge. You ever notice he was having some building work done? 
Yeah, yeah, a few years ago now. Um, they didn't make that much noise. It didn't bother me too much. There was, I remember a couple of big trucks turned up one evening. Uh, I was on my way out, so I didn't see what they were doing. Um, and there was some construction crews working around the back of the house. I couldn't see what they were doing. They were here for like about a week, maybe. That's probably uh, five, six years ago, maybe. He never drew much attention to himself, apart from that, quiet fella? No, not really quiet, nice fella. Every so often I'd see him out doing his garden. He was getting on in years, so he didn't do it all that much anymore. He hired some neighborhood kids. But, uh, yeah, seemed like a, a nice guy. All right. I uh, give him my fake card that says Dr. Kent Whitmore uh, and says, and, uh... You're feeling uh, hale and hearty since uh, you got the all clear? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, they, uh, they brought us to the to the hospital, checked us all out, and uh, they gave us the all clear. They didn't tell us what they were checking for. I wouldn't worry about it. That changes, though. Give me a call. That's, that's what they said. But, you know, there was this one other thing. I only think of it now because uh, you're, uh, you kind of reminded me when you handed me that card there. A couple of months back... I noticed a, a, a car parked, parking on the street several times, always in different places, but uh, seemed to be watching, watching Greaves' house. Did you let him know? I, I, I haven't run into him since, since it happened. Um, I mean, I'm, I noticed it a couple of times, did nothing, and then one day it was there and I was in the garden and I was like, I keep wondering what the hell this is about. I'm going to go find out. So I goes up to the car and uh, I says to the lady I says because there's a lady in the car I says what are you doing here and uh, she got all cagey she said she was like a a, a private detective or something name uh, Willis or Wallace or Walls you still got that card let me let me go look around I'll see if I can find it uh, I might I might just have it inside you'll be across the street yeah we're not going anywhere Back inside the house. Yes. Agent Madeline is back in the lab. Yes. Um, doing a thorough search this time. Yes. Right. Okay. Since we got, uh, I basically want to uh, look specifically at the things that were listed in the invoices. Okay. You've probably seen this equipment before, this type of equipment before, and it all looks as you would expect it to look. Um, it all looks to be in working order and relatively new. The dates on the invoices were like 2010-ish. So it's been here for like seven years. And it looks, like, it looks like it's been well looked after. Nothing's damaged apart from that torn glove. Mm. In one of the sample holders, so there's like these like incubator boxes or something that hold uh, sample tubes and so on. Um, behind that, you spot an envelope. It looks like it had been left on top and it maybe fell off and got jammed down the back. When you grab the envelope, which I presume you do. I do. And open it. I inspect it first. It is, a, it is an envelope. It seems to have something small inside it. Oh, would that perchance be a piece of paper or card? No. It oh. feels like maybe pills. Oh, subverting expectations right there. Uh, yes, I mean, I'm in my bio suit, right? So, yeah, I open it up. In the envelope, 
there is a plastic baggie and in that baggie are 10 very small blue pills there is a label with a handwritten note attached to the baggie and it says ARD15 ARD15 I pocket it yeah that's after an extensive search that's pretty much the extent of what you find in the house what's next folks do you guys share the information from the neighbors? Uh, sure. Does Postwade come back with the card of this mysterious investigator? He comes out about 15 minutes later. He has a, a card. It looks like he spilled coffee on it at some point. It's filthy. Uh, but you can make out the name Evelyn Wells hmm. of the Dino, Belton and Wells Detective Agency. All right. Interesting. Thank you very much for your cooperation, Mr. Postwade. Might be nothing. Everyone's got a few skeletons in their closet. It's just up to us to make sure they don't get anywhere else. You have a good day now. I'm glad I could help. Okay, well, I'll be seeing you. And he heads on inside. It's quite late in the day now. It's it's getting dark. All right, folks, huddle up. What do we got? Well, we definitely have several leads of um, people and money. This Evelyn's worth talking to. She knew about something, something our man was up to. That's true. Oh, I found these pills. You know what they are? Uh, yes, they are ARD-15. English? <laughs> yeah, as a woman of medicine, do you know what that is? No. Okay. <laughs> but we could potentially send them for... I would say that we could potentially send them to be um, investigated, Garrett but... takes out his iPhone and Googles it. We could send it for sampling, but at the current moment, I am loath to expose other people to this for now. We could send it to the program for analysis if we think it's important. Hmm. Well, our friendly's in the CDC. That's true. Hmm. And I'd she happens to be in a lab right now. Right. Uh -huh. So we could do that. I would also like to go to the medical examiner and take a look at uh, Griffin's body and potentially if they have the remains whatever is left of Greaves. Sounds like some of us should check out, some of us should go see Kane down at her lab. She's no doubt already got whatever results from the body. And there's the detective agency, and then we got this Aaron Silverman character. And if we want to check out the rest of the evidence that was collected, I suppose it's in the jurisdiction of whatever FBI agents had this case. We also have an account from the Caymans. He was potentially being funded by someone. Or just kept all his assets offshore. Wait, what am I thinking? I also Googled Tybalt Greaves. Like... <laughs> I forgot that we have phones. Yeah, it's 2017. <laughs> um, and Aaron Silverman. Aaron Silverman, Seattle, probably. You find uh, some mentions of Greaves. There's a patent Register to his name. To Greaves for, or Silverman? To Greaves. For a fast, cheap blood typing process called anti-ABD. It looks like uh, that patent generated around $10 million over five years. That answers, answers a few questions. He sold that to a company called Merck, M-E-R-C-K, in 2005 for a lump sum payment of $18.8 million. You find this in uh, mentioned in a medical news paper. Sorry, Merck, as in murky. 
M-E-R-C-K. Okay, that's slightly less menacing. <laughs> when you're on the internet, <laughs> <laughs> surfing the web, um, not looking at porns. Yeah, I'm Some just, local I'm just news sitting comes on the curb with attention. my smartphone out, yeah. What do we got? Suspicious fire destroys Mill Creek Strip Mall. FBI investigates possible terrorist or organized crime links. Washington Post, October 3rd, 2017. So that's today. Yep. Would you like me to read the whole thing? Go ahead. <clears throat> Mill Creek, Washington. In the early hours of October 3rd, 2017, a strip mall in Mill Creek was reduced to ashes in a devastating blaze following what appears to be a firebombing incident. The shocking incident took place at approximately 2.45 a.m. when the Dino Belton and Wells Detective Agency, located within the strip mall, was targeted. A firefighter with military experience at the scene, who requested anonymity, informed our reporter that he believed the attack was executed with remarkable precision and sophistication, possibly involving C4 explosive and thermite. Such materials are commonly associated with professional controlled demolition or sabotage. Local law enforcement authorities have been quick to respond to the situation, but have yet to identify any suspects or motives. In light of the suspicious nature of the incident, the case has been transferred to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Agents from the FBI are now working alongside local authorities to determine whether there are any connections to terrorism or organized crime. The strip mall, which housed several businesses including a convenience store, a dry cleaner and a local eatery, have been completely destroyed. Fortunately, there were no casualties reported, as the area was empty at the time of the explosion. However, the property damage is extensive, and business owners are grappling with a devastating loss of their livelihoods. This incident has sent shockwaves through the peaceful community of Mill Creek, leaving residents and business owners concerned about their safety and the possibility of more attacks. The FBI has assured the public that they are dedicating significant resources to resolve swiftly this case, and bring those responsible to justice. Local residents are urged to remain vigilant and report any suspicious activity to the authorities and the investigation continues. All right, the op's gone kinetic. We need to buy ammo. Here's the problem with all this. Uh, whilst we're here doing all this uh, investigating whatever, uh, there's been a plane crash in Idaho. There's some sort of sample that got out, we're thinking. We're all here talking about this stuff, but there's a real danger going on right now and in the forest. And wouldn't you like to know what the danger is before we go there? Hmm. I mean... Do you want to have big blue platches of blood all over your face in the middle of a forest? Well... Oh, let me guess. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Not after what uh, I was up to this summer. But, uh... For reals. Whilst we're sitting here, this thing might be doing real devastating damage to our national parks. We'll be there, kid, but I'm not going in blind. Blind, blind, we know it's bad. We know it's bad enough to destroy a plane. And us dying senselessly in there will not help anyone. The so what you say? We sit around here and play cops and robbers for some more? Yes, that is literally our job. <sighs> The CDC have it cornered off. Hopefully nobody will going back in, be going inside. But for now, we'll be no use to anyone if we end up just gargling blue goop and expiring. Question is, what, what do we do when we get there? We answer that question, then we go there. Well, who was on the flight? Uh, two, two CDC pilots. Two CDC pilots. 
That's it. Right. And we're guessing... Chances are it was a targeted attack. It was nothing to do with the disease. They're trying to cover up if they're attacking this detective agency as well. This might be our only lead to figure out what happened with the crash. It could well be, but also don't forget that one of the packs that contained whatever this substance was open. Right. And what better way to destroy it than with a plane crash? Indeed, all the substance got loose on the plane. So it's it's pretty late in the day, so shall we... No, we should stand around get, and argue more. Get to a motel and have this conversation, maybe? <laughs> sure. Can we set the scene first of oh, where, where this sorry, is happening? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> there's, a, there's a motel in front that we're staying. It's one of those weird motels where, where the car park is in the middle and there's like, there's a one story and it goes into like a, a U-shape kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a guy inside that that uh, that takes cash only and doesn't even look at our ID. When we get in there, the rooms are nasty. There's a funky smell. The last people that are here clearly had sex and didn't clean the room properly. Okay, we, that's enough color, yeah. <laughs> There's a CRT television. All right, so, there so was maybe, a holiday maybe, in two blocks maybe away. Maybe Selena Michaels. has put down a, a plastic bag on the bed or something yeah. and sa- sitting on it while she's while she's talking to her fellow agents. Possibly. She, so she has a plate of pie in one hand and a cigarette in the other and has a vodka clenched between her knees. Uh, um, A thought occurred, fellas. Why would somebody be targeting this this thing? Um, I I'm wondering. uh, This it 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 seems almost human in nature and not something of the supernatural or, or, or the extraterrestrial. What or who? What kind of agency or group could be particularly targeting this? And I think back to our Russian friend, Ranko, and he said that there was a Russian equivalent of Delta Green. Are there potentially other uh, cells or other international uh, groups who, yes, may have done, who may have done something that could have... that they we are also like working against them in this operation? Surely. Uh, I mean, let's think of it this way, uh, 70 whatever man suddenly finds himself with a rich African-American girlfriend that likes to party hard and drive fast cars and hang out with other men. Come on, that's a front. That's a front and they paid the man to do some research and the research got out. Simple as that. Do you think perhaps he is some kind of agent for- Reeves? Nah. He's a scientist. He doesn't know any better. He just got given a task late in life, and he thought, hey, hey, here's the last chance to, to make a big whoop in the world. Sure, what I meant was perhaps he sold himself in his retirement to Russia or some other government body. I mean, to- That seems like theorizing somewhat in advance of the facts. Doesn't Is make sense. Is that not what we're doing right now? You retire to a nice pension of a few million dollars and then sell yourself afterwards? Well, look, we're, we're speculating. We need more evidence. We need to figure out what it is. The what, what are they trying to cover up? Because clearly, it's something. And without the information, we're, we're running blind here. Now, here's something that, that that's still confounded me. There is most probably a short baby running around, and no one has seen anything in all of Mill Creek in three days. This bloody trail, right? Heads out. Plays around the kitchen, leaves a partial print 
And then what? No one's seen it? It's been three days, four days. Am I the only one that thinking these bloody footprints, they, they got, did they or did they not get bigger and have more solid kind of, more blood, but they didn't get bigger. Okay. Because I thought that it may have been whatever turned into the body of Greaves. How, how far did the footsteps go? Uh, just out to the driveway, and then there's no sign of them anymore. And then it Hulk jumps like they, away. They, they weren't, like, dripping blood or anything. It was smudges. Mm. Like, you could barely see them. Yeah, so once they get off, say, a tiled kitchen floor. Exactly. Yeah. You, can't, you can't track them anymore. Can I can I give some of the prints that I picked up from the floor to uh, Boshiers to run through the database? I'm so, so glad I remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> the prints come back. U.S. Air Force First Lieutenant Daniel Uli, U-L-E-E, died 1992 in a training exercise. All other details redacted. Oh, did the briefing... Wait, the briefing said that they found that the... Um, the, the packs that they sent on the plane had some form of unknown human cellular makeup. Is it possible that they have been using DNA or cells from from military personnel corpses? You could say that about like rat DNA or chimp DNA. Well, I want to check for the FBI service for information on any of the key names we have so far. So Evelyn, I want to know what they have on Evelyn and that and their and her agency. I want to know what they have on Greaves if there was anything dating back. So Evelyn Wells was a uh, formerly a detective with the Tacoma Police Department. She joined the uh, private detective agency, which would become named Dino Belton and Wells. It previously was just Dino and Belton. Um, in 2005, she quickly became a partner by 2009, at which point Belton moved to a more managerial executive role while Wells did most of the field work and also managed a, a chain of stringer detectives who were paid on a case-by-case basis. Uh, other than that, though, um, Wells, Dino and Belton were the partners and the only actual employees. And do we have a number for Ms. Wells? There is a number for Ms. Wells, yes. Can I give her a call? You can. It's about 10 p.m. at this point. Um, the CDC never sleeps. <laughs> The phone uh, rings out. Hmm. All right, might look into that tomorrow, probably. And you're all starting to get quite tired at this point, I think. Yeah, we all have a room to ourselves, right? None of us are spooning. Uh, yeah, I have my own room. In the, in the miserable sex hotel that Michael's found for us. <laughs> <laughs> was the I, nearest one to the uh, diner. Or, or all of the headboards, like, sort of red, cheap velvet, shaped like a big heart. <laughs> oh, it's one of those, they have those things in American motels where you, like, you put money in and the bed vibrates, right? Yep. As you're crossing the street from the diner to uh, go to your stinky beds, um, <laughs> who's the highest awareness? That's probably me, actually. 70. On a couple of lampposts, there are some flyers. You see the same flyer repeated um, for a missing dog, a small dog, King Charles, um, belonging to Elizabeth McReady, name you recognize, neighbor of Tybalt Greaves. 
Out on the street on a lamppost, there's another flyer. Oh boy. This one for a collie, belonging to someone named Maximilian Graf. And as Michaels looks around, he sees that there's flyers on all of the lampposts, new flyers. And uh, here's another one. There's a, a German Shepherd went missing uh, on 121st Street, belonging to uh, Donald Kulnick. Um, and across the street, there's more flyers for cats, a couple of more dogs, then for a, a Great Dane belonging to Paul Olson. Each of them have phone numbers and pleas to help people find their beloved pets. What, what, uh, are, uh, how recent are these flyers? Uh, they look pretty new. All of them? Yes, they look like they've been put up in the last couple of days. Some of them possibly today. Oh God, I, I don't think this is a coincidence. Thanks for listening, folks. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. It'll help spread the word and help others to find us too. If you have any comments, questions, or just want to get in touch with us, you can. You can find us on Instagram with at tales underscore of underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you. This week's Tales of Podcast crew is Mike as Lucas Boshears. Charles as Eric Paras. Myself, Jan, as Selena Goodwill and audio producer. Special guest Patsy as Agent Garrett. And Fabio as our handler, as well as editor and co-producer. All music and sound effects used with permission and may have been edited or modified for use. Details and links can be found in the show notes. (laughs) See you next episode! The air begins to smell of ozone. No, no, I'm with him. Get in the circle. The hair on the backs of your necks begins to stand up. I jump into the circle. Yeah. But I'm giving him the stank eye. Both you ears. can hear. Get in the circle. Renko is mumbling Mama something mia. under his breath. And as you <laughs> join him in the circle, he begins chanting louder as he passes scraps of paper to each of you. Uh, oh, Jan I forgot to print it. The Jandy man cannot. <laughs> I'm gonna open it on you. Uh, you can read it from here. Renko. Renko rituals. Yes. Uh, no, I will. Oh, you've got it. Closing of the breach. Also, Fabio, just lift your mic a bit further up. It's a bit too low. <laughs> Ready. Uh, are we supposed to read the pour of the salt? Don't worry about it. Not? Yeah, that's good. Just relax no, your like, head. There's a, there's a. Is that okay? I'll Locks give you a cheat. Internalize it. Did Amble, you, is is Amble, this a whole one Lionte, for each of us, uh, or is it just one one piece each? It's the same. You're you're all reading the Suat. same. Suat. Okay. Heptap. Hep. 
Heptap. We'll just get one recording of the voice. I should have practiced the voice again. I should be 10 times. Kin Holm. But this is a Minak. Is this pig's Latin? <laughs> do you want to do a take, like one take each of us reading it? Yeah, give us a take each. Mikey, do you want to go first? Uh, al dente. Flaxa rasa shit amble amble liam. We're fucked. We're dead. Amble so vet hep tap tez twal yik amble. Charles. Flaxa rasa cheat amble amble liamante. Amble myan suat hep tat tetwal yik amble. You know what this is? This is the fucking uh, Sims uh, language that we're doing right here. I know this. Yeah, I recognize. What language is it? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's the si- Simies. Simies from the Sims games. Sim- Simian. Floxa uh, Resacheat Amble. Oh, your handwriting's terrible. Amble Lyomte Amble Mayan Suvet Heptap. Tetwalik Ambel. Es tut mir leid. Es tut mir leid. I'll give it a shot as well, I suppose. No. <laughs> Next, line. Next I line. I can't read it at this angle, so I'll record it later on. Oh, I can do it. Oh, do you want to read it as a Russian? Flogser also chit ambel ambel ayante ambel mayan savut hip top tetwal yik imbel. Oh, we, do you want to have Patsy something? read it in, in Russian? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, do my, it. my him now. Okay, wait. Let's go. Can you turn your yeah, screen yeah, here? Here, here, go, here, go, here go. Look, look at this. It's much better. Oh, easy. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Just the first paragraph. Hmm? Yeah, yes. with a Russian accent. Flogser rocha chit ambel ambel ayante. Ambel man, so what hip top? Tetwal yik ambel. Sick. Uh, like, that, that was Russian, but also just like, I do not care about what I'm reading right now. So, so just like, so, so, so Russian. There is no passion left in me. There is no vodka in this ritual. I am the one character who has had time to practice. Hey. I was doing it on the bus all the way here. <laughs> okay. As you get near to the end of your first recitation of the words, you begin to hear something else in the room. But it's not even just in the room. It's in your minds. It's everywhere. It's like the sound is emanating from every point around you. The sound of howling dogs. Oh, uh, fuck me. They followed us. And as you begin your second recitation, corpse of some enormous hound that's had all of its hair stripped from its flesh its jaws are massively oversized, barely contained in, inside its mouth. And from its back are these crumpled leathery wings that somehow manage to flap as it lands right in front of this salt circle. Renko keeps on chanting. He nudges you all to keep on chanting. <laughs> <laughs> 
encouraging you to just keep it up. The hound, because presumably that's what this is, begins pacing the room, walking in circles around the circle that you are within, coming as close as it can, at times leaping towards the circle and hitting some invisible barrier inches from your faces. Give me a sanity roll. Sorry, but you're going to have to put the light back oh, on, yeah, Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's this one do? The path for me. Okay, you your own special ones. I just, I just, every time. You have to, you have to roll under your current, right? Oh, fuck this. Yep. Yeah, mine's a massive failure. Oh, baby. What does that mean? You're what? You went through. Uh, Lose another willpower point. Jan is now, sorry, Selena is now on five. 40 minutes, 50. An hour of chanting. You're all barely able to speak. If only you'd brought a drink into this circle with you. <laughs> mm. I unfortunately entered with a cigarette, so it's just made it worse. <laughs> even, even Renko by this stage is starting to falter. But the hound, its pacing is slowing. It hasn't attacked the barrier in some time. And it almost looks like it's cowering in some way. And the hound stops moving. It begins to fade. It looks deep into the soul of each of you. Oh, puppy. One last time before... Vanishing from existence. Renko drops the book that he was reading from. He stumbles over to the bed, picks up his paper bag, takes out a bottle of vodka, opens it, takes a long, hard swig. I snatch it. And he says, uh, I guess it's. I mean, you first. <laughs> Renko explains that he is from the Delta Green equivalent in, well, it, originally the Soviet Union, now Russia. Um, he doesn't go into too many details about why he's in America. I don't know if you press him on that. Um, but he does tell you that he's fully aware of what you've just been through. He, uh, he wishes he could have helped, but he learned the true facts of it too late but um i thank you for helping me here i don't know that i could have withstood that alone one more time do you want to tell us anything about why it was us or why this is not the first time swig 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 yeah he takes a bottle back for you takes a swig and passes it on to the next person um, well, who else for a hundred miles could understand even a fraction of what was happening to me? Who else would not think that I was completely insane as soon as I burst into the room? So how did you end up a hundred miles from anybody else who might know? What are you doing? I was tasked with... Recovering a, an artifact 
went through. And now you expect me to just be like, all right, have a good day. Nice knowing you, pal. What is this? No, of course not. Of course not. There's give and take here. You helped me. I will help you in the future. Can I be surreptitiously... Oh, you're staying here in Asave? In, in, in sorry, sorry. I will, I will be calm. Under the bed. KGB. Uh, okay, you send that. Mm. Um, give me a stealth. My stealth is 10%. Uh, I rolled a six for Renko, so... Who is in perception? Yeah. Awareness. That's a 56. I have 10. He sees you do it. And uh, I think our conversation is over. I'll be in touch. I was sure that in time. Well, Wait, what? your friend didn't seem to want to put her cards on the table. She instead is uh, sending messages. She's a terrible card player. It's, it's time for me to leave. You can keep the vodka. Oh, did I just kill this scene? No. Can we keep the book you're holding? This, it's in Russian. You couldn't read. I could. I could what's barely, your? What's, what's? I could barely read your handwriting. What's uh, your agent's? Um, you meant? Yeah, non-existent. Why? Mine's <laughs> Eric Paras. Agent Michaels. Because he's probably in a t-shirt at this stage. Well, you know, when you look as good as I <laughs> do with his fireman arms. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bo Shears, <laughs> a, a card. And there's a, a, there's a phone number scribbled on it. Uh, otherwise, it's blank and just dog-eared. And uh, he kind of awkwardly stumbles towards the door and says, thank you, thank you again. I, I, I promise you I will repay you. And he opens the door and he steps out into the night. Does well, anybody want Good night, pie? everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> a module called Visid. It's a who are you playing again? I am playing Selena Goodwill, FBI profiler, amateur human, amateur animal behaviorist, expert human behaviorist. I remember it this time. And Charles, <laughs> you were in that scene too. The object of Agent Renko's desires. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he knows. I don't know, man. This is a role playing game. We'll oh, find out. <laughs> that's not how I read that at all. I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, I, I read it as uh, definitely checking out a piece of ass on his way out. Oh. I mean, silly does not notice. I, th I thought he was I'm looking sure. at him because it was a Russian thing. It's like you, you lingering because he was like, oh, what, this guy's an idiot. That was a fair assessment. Yeah, he's clearly a himbo. <laughs> yes, clearly a himbo. Uh, I, I think that's how I originally described him way back in the day. The, the kind of person that would likely would have, like, uh, nunchaku. And then everybody started calling him Agent Michaels. And then we were like, well, what's the... P.O. Pressure. Yes. And Edsel are not alone tonight. <gasps> what's this? We got Patsy. Hey, everyone. Yay! Patsy, why don't you tell us about you? Checked out last <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, tonight I'll be playing uh, Jonathan Lee Byers. Uh, ret recently retired uh, USA Criminal Investigation Division Captain. No, the, man, we just the, the dude. No, no uh, then I would have been playing him. Patsy is reprising a character from our 90s. Oh. So, uh, our off-mic off game. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the old men of Delta Green at this point. He's had 17 remarkably lucky years because he's still here. Just. 
so when did we end? Before Oops. we just jump in, can I, I need five minutes just to sort out my laundry. Give me, give me a break. Oh, Hang on. <laughs> Listen. Give me a break. Here, here, here I am already like in, in pain, already shot up and everything. And it's like, but yeah, I'm hot. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh steaming. It was, it was pointing. Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is how, it? How, you, how have you been sleeping? Uh, well, Anna hasn't been sleeping well, so by default. When you're but I, I, I get it sometimes, like I get it under the eye. Yeah. I mean, that's just a sign of not being sleeping. Oh. It's often stress related. But oh, fuck, I wanted to go get some more candy. Next week or this week or whatever. I think about you, Fabio, but I can't remember why. It's usually because I, I see something cool, I think of something like, and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, like, like I got to hit up Fabio and ask him about this or something like that. But for the life of me, I can't remember what the fuck it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah story. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you nice to be thought of in general. No, I was just saying, I, 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 fuck it. I don't know. It was either a movie or a game or something. It's usually like something weird and random. I'm like, you know who'd fucking get a kick out of this? Fucking Fabio would fucking love this. I gotta, I gotta hit him up. And that's, that's, I think every other weekend I'm telling him, I was like, I gotta hit Fabio up. Like, this, this fucking cool thing just happened. I gotta <laughs> tell him about it and totally forget about it. Oh, fuck yeah, now I remember. One man podcast. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. This is it. This is it. This is what happened. It wasn't that fucking cool. It was. It was legit. Like, whoa, what the fuck? I saw this dog with a leash that had been let go, chasing after another dog that was twice its size down the road, and they ran into into the middle of the fucking road, and like we were both like, and I was like, I can't fucking look. Like I need to get out of here because we're about to see dogs get run over. Jesus. And they ran across the street, and then like hung out here, and they ran back across, and the one that was being run after, which was like the dog was twice the size, like stayed on like next to the cars, but on the road running as its master was running like after him. And he was the one without a leash. And the one with the leash I caught and the master was like screaming at him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It was crazy. And I was like, holy shit. Fabio would get a kick out of the story because he just got mauled by a dog saving his dog. Oh, he did man. indeed. There you go. There you go. So if anybody listens to this, dear listeners. <laughs>